Welcome to Satsang. Hello, Vishrant. Can you please talk about today's topic, Star Wars versus Buddhism? <laughs> well, Star Wars is a, a fictional uh, account of a spirituality created by George Lucas. And he took a lot of the ideas uh, of the religion or the force or the Jedi and the Sith uh, pathways from um, Taoism and Buddhism. Uh, he even called the force the way. The force is this unifying thing that is in everything and everywhere. And so in Star Wars, they pit the Jedi Knights, who are the good guys, uh, looking for harmony in the universe against the Sith Lords, uh, who are bad guys, who uh, work with the dark side, uh, which involves all the selfish things, greed and lust and anger and violence <laughs> against these um, Jedi Knights that are supposedly noble. And what they do is they, they indicate that there's two types there and that one has to embrace the light to be a Jedi Knight and one has to embrace the darkness to be a Sith Lord. And that's not the truth. If you really want to raise your consciousness levels, you embrace both. You acknowledge both and you embrace both. You hold everything in the psyche in tenderness. And so you're not against yourself. You're not at war with yourself. You're not trying to uh, remove or purge, as they put in Star Wars, uh, things like jealousy and greed and anger. You, that's not what it's about. It's about embracing all things with acceptance. And in that acceptance and that insight, things change. One of the things about Star Wars and um, the Sith Lords and the Jedi Knights is what wasn't really mentioned was maturity. Uh, see, in maturity, people take care of everything and everyone. It's only in immaturity that people get caught in what could be considered the dark side. <laughs> and even that needs to be accepted. But the way through is to accept all things, particularly everything you find inside yourself, to hold it all in tenderness. That doesn't mean that you let it run. It doesn't mean you let the thief run and the liar run and the murderer run and the jealous one and the angry one run. You don't let them run, but you hold them in tenderness. You don't deny them. You don't try to re 
suppress them. You don't turn them into your enemy. They're just parts of the psyche. You accept them. You accept the totality of yourself. And that is self-acceptance. And with self-acceptance comes self-love. That's very beautiful for a human being, to love yourself. And so Star Wars, ah, interesting, interesting concepts George Lucas got into, taking a bit from Buddhism, a bit from Taoism, a bit from Hinduism, a bit from Christianity, and creating a religion out of it, the force, a unifying force. I, I kind of loved the Star Wars. I thought it was wonderful. But it's very fictional. It's not actually accurate. If we find our true nature, we find what could be referred to as the unifying force. We are everything. That's our true nature. We are everything. Nothing is separate from us. And so the quest for the seeker is not to embrace the delight the, like the Jedi Knights, not to embrace the dark like the Sith Lords, but to embrace everything in tender okayness. And then the mind can rest. It can't rest while it's fighting itself. It can't rest when it doesn't like itself. It has to find a way to accept itself. This is what works. Love you. Are there any questions? Any statements? Any challenges to this discussion today? The first question is as follows. Can you see every Star Wars character within yourself as a part of your own psyche? <laughs> I can see everything and everyone inside myself. You know, we look at people who are what we'd consider on the dark side, people who are angry, jealous, dishonest, maybe living in the streets or something like this. I mean, if we were programmed like they were, we'd be doing the same thing. So there, but for the grace of God, goes I. I see all parts inside myself. And when you see all parts inside yourself and you hold those parts in tenderness, you can't have harsh judgments outside yourself. That's not possible. Just an extension of yourself anyway. It's what is. Why do you like Star Wars? <laughs> I've been a science fiction buff my whole life. I love Star Wars. I like Battlestar Galactica. I loved Matrix. Uh, I just like science fiction. What can I say? <laughs> Uh, 
The next question is from Marcus. Hey, Vishram. Hello, Marcus. <laughs> Hi, so I wanted to ask a question about what happens, what about the heat of the moment? What happens when things get really intense? For me, I tend to like shut down. Ah, well, that's a program, isn't it? You've just been programmed to shut down and it's a defense system. That's your um, way of coping with whatever happens that's very intense. I have a different way. I remain open, but that was because I programmed myself to remain open through repetition, through practice, because I didn't like the idea of closing down. And when you were practicing that, is it like everything else, you know, little by little, you get better every day? Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. You, you fail a lot at first. It's like when we first learned how to walk, we failed a lot at first. And then we got better and better and better at it until we could walk without falling down. And the same goes for uh, removing obstacles like our defense systems, because they close us down. A defense system is a closure. In removing it and being in the world and still active in the world and not supporting those defense systems, we become good at being in the world without those defense systems. It's just a matter of practice. Whatever you practice, you'll get good at. If you close down when things get intense, that's a survival mechanism, that's a defense system that can be changed. You don't have to close down, you can stay open. But only through practice will you get it, no other way. Intellectually understanding me won't help except that you now know what to do. Practice. And I also wanted to talk about your, your book, your spiritual mechanics book. Um, you yeah. talk about, you talk against collecting knowledge. How does someone have that book and not use it in a way that acquires? Oh, I love, I love that question. I do. <laughs> I, um, I collected knowledge. I was one of those people who loved collecting knowledge. I, when I was with Osho, I collected a lot of knowledge. I just listened to everything he said. I was a... And any time I could get a tape of his, I'd listen to that. Or any time I could read one of his darshan, I'd read that. And I was collecting knowledge thinking that somehow I was raising my consciousness levels. Big mistake. That's actually how we got to pass exams at school, by repeating things we could remember from studying. But that's not how higher consciousness works. Higher consciousness works by seeing through the mind and removing all the obstacles that are in the way of higher consciousness which is anything basically that contracts us, anything that takes us into resistance. And so as my consciousness levels rose, I got to see that all this knowledge that I'd collected was a waste of time. And that unfortunately, this is the biggest spiritual trap there is because seekers think that by collecting spiritual knowledge, they can raise their consciousness levels and wake up and it just isn't true. And then when I got into uh, working as a psychotherapist, helping people heal the wounds of their heart, I got to see clearly that no amount of intellectual knowledge he ever, ever healed a wound of the heart. Only the willingness to feel it, only the willingness to be with it could heal the wound of the heart. And so I got to see how knowledge 
that are, didn't work in a lot of areas. Okay. And about um, opening certain energy centers, does that happen because you're practicing opening up or does the heart open first or does the third eye open first and then it helps to exit? Well, you can't be open unless you actually have mastered acceptance. Acceptance is the key to openness. Um, if we can accept life as it is, no matter what it is, we can stay open. If we can't accept it, we will close, we will go into resistance. That's just what happens. Um, we are all programmed to close. We are all programmed to resist. We're all programmed for that. To learn to not close takes quite a lot of effort. And so I got into practicing openness from quite a young age because I could see the advantage in openness. I mean, you look at as a businessman, if you can present yourself as open, people are going to trust you. They're going to work with you. They're going to communicate with you. You present yourself as closed. People don't trust you. What are you hiding? You know? And so my initial reasons for practicing openness were basically for business, but it just turns out they were pretty good reasons because openness counts for everything. Right. One thing, if you ever get to meet any awake teachers, you'll notice they're all wide open. And I'll bet you my bottom dollar, they're all wide open before awakening. <laughs> nice. Thank you, Bashar. Nice to talk to you, Marcus. Nice to talk to you too. The next question is from Susha. Hello, Susha. Hi, Vishrant. Um, why is it so hard to accept that dark side? Why is the tendency to run away? Because you've been programmed to not accept it. You've been programmed to shun it, to reject it, to repress it. You've been, you, <laughs> we've, all, we've all been programmed that way by the religions we're involved in. You know, the, the dark side is seen as the evil side. No, it's just a part of the psyche that needs to be accepted. Otherwise, you end up at war with it. But you have been programmed to be at war with it. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and beat myself yep. when, well, when that happens. Yeah, well, you're also programmed to uh, motivate yourself to not be like that. So the beatings are just motivation. And uh, <laughs> this is just how it is. I was brought up as a Roman Catholic uh, schoolboy um, in, in a Roman Catholic church and uh, Roman Catholic school. And man, it, it, I was ruled by fear and guilt. You know, and it's horrible. Where's the acceptance? How can you possibly love yourself and love other people if you don't like yourself, really? If you're at war with yourself? You know, Jesus said, love your enemies and love your neighbor as yourself. But how do you do that if you don't even like yourself? It's crazy when you look at it. 
you have to accept the good, the bad, and the ugly inside yourself. And as I was saying before, you don't let it run. You don't let the, the nasty bits run, but you have to accept them. You have to hold them in tenderness, in a totality of wholeness. And then the mind can relax. But you're running against uh, programming that has been put into you by your parents, your religion, by your, probably your country, probably your schooling. And this is why it's so difficult for people to actually raise their consciousness levels because we were never programmed for higher consciousness. We were programmed for lower consciousness. So when I get angry at something, uh, I'm already contracted because I'm angry. And on top of it, I do not like the fact that I got angry and that side of me showed up. So there's a double contraction going on here. You've got to remember that anger needs to be supported. It can't last by itself unless you're actually uh, actively blaming something or someone. You can't stay angry. That's not possible. Anger is fueled by blame. And so you may not have that much control at getting angry at first because it's new to you, but you definitely have control over how long it lasts because you are responsible for your reaction, whether you're blaming or not. You're responsible for that, and you can stop that at any time you want. Yes. How long I stay angry has, has gotten better, and but I still, it still gets triggered. Yeah, it gets triggered. So something touches you, there's an instant anger response, which usually has blame in it, you know, blaming something for the touch. Remove the blame. And as you become more and more and more conscious, you don't get angry anymore. because you're undoing that part of the mind that is operating unconsciously. Yeah, I, I was, I always feel like I undid something, but it seems it's not undone if I'm still getting triggered, right? No, well, you have belief systems on how things should be that uh, when those expectations on those belief systems don't get met, you get uh, angry. A belief system that a person shouldn't treat you a certain way or do a certain thing. Um, those belief systems are worth examining because in God's big picture, how do we know people aren't supposed to be doing what they're doing? How arrogant of us to think that we know. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I need to hear this many, many times. So thank you. <laughs> I, I did hear it many, many times. I, I got in touch with this when I was 19 and I, it took me a long time to get it because I was programmed to think anger was actually okay. You know, it was a, a, almost a manly thing to get angry when things didn't go right. How wrong was I? Anger is just violence. It creates separation. And what's more, if you're angry, you are in the lowest of lower consciousnesses you can be. You're in a dream of blame. You're lost. Yes, for sure. 
Thank you so much. Thank you. The next question has been written by Lewis. Who's your favorite Star Wars character and why? It's changed over the years, you know, because I first saw Star Wars in, I think, 78 or 79 when it first came out. And uh, at that time, uh, Luke Skywalker was uh, uh, my favorite character because somehow I identified with him as a, as a warrior because in those days I was into martial arts. Um, but as, it, as time went by, I became uh, more favorable to Yoda because Yoda was wise and uh, old and I was getting older. <laughs> so there was more of a identification with Yoda. Mind you, I, I don't think I ever looked that much like Yoda, but still. <laughs> uh, I had a little bit of an affinity with Obi-Wan Kenobi um, because he was so set in his ways to do the right thing by everyone. And I like that about him. He's very into his heart. <laughs> oh, as, t <laughs> as time went by further, I, get, I got to appreciate uh, Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker, uh, because I realized that we all have the darkness in us. And all we have to do is embrace it with tenderness, accept it totally, but not let it run. <laughs> so I've, I've enjoyed a few of the different characters. The next question is from Peter. Hello, Peter. This round, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. It's been a while. I've been working and trying everything that you've said as much as I can. Oh, and whenever I'm in your presence, it, it's like my, my question gets blown away just before I start talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was something Marcus was, was saying about when, when, in the heat of the moment sometimes you know he, he said he was sh shutting down and um i was just re relating to that as well because of some of the you know the, some of the dangerous situations that i got myself into um working as a cameraman or whatever um i noticed there were times that i shut down but the times that i shut down was when i was with other people that i was caring about and i wanted to protect them and or trying to protect them and the, the time when I was alone um, I opened up like really opened up and and there was possibly the most intense feeling of presence that I that I've, I've had for a long time so my, my question when I spoke to you last was it which has been a burning question for me am I doing life or is it doing me and I'm seeing for for my, myself from the stuff you told me um, 
that as soon as my thoughts are in operation uh, and, and there's like time-based thing, it, it is suffering. I, I suffer. I feel suffering. And it has been a blessing because it's so intense that uh, I know when I'm thinking and when I'm completely in the present moment. So oh, and this is my question. Um, with, with Star Wars, I love it. I'm a science fiction geek as well. Um, the training, when, when they get to the point where they're just completely in that zone and the force is with them, their, their mind is, is not in operation. And all of the experience that um, they've had in their life is in operation. How, I don't know if that's a how question, but where's the point in, in the present moment when, when that knowledge that you've got throughout your life is being used through you and you just let go completely? Okay, so you're just talking about training. As a martial artist, because I trained for 15 years, I didn't think about fighting. If I was in a fight, I was in the fight. My mind was actually uh, absolutely present to what was happening around me. There wasn't any thoughts happening. Oh, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that, or I can block this way. It was all completely automatic. Uh, and this is how I've tended to live most of my life. You know, I learned how to be present to reality. So I don't try to be present to reality. It's my habit to be present to reality. I don't try to be open. It is actually my habit to be open. Even when under fire, it's my habit to be open because that's what I train my mind to do. Whatever you train your mind to do, it'll do. And that's up right. to you. You're the only one that can train it. No one else can train it for you. If you do something often enough, it'll become a habit. It'll become a default pattern. Right. The, the, the initiation of the practice, though, the, the actual go, okay, I'm going to train now and I'm just going to push myself to do it. Um, once again, that seems to come from, a, from, from an energetic a place that, that gives you the energy and gives you the space to do it. Um, and then, then, then the little thing that's trying, the, the little Peter inside or whatever, keeps quiet. And then the training seems to be, or whatever, seems to be effective. Um, but as soon as, as soon as I start thinking about it, 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 it goes, goes to hell. <laughs> Sounds like you're getting in touch with the force, Peter. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so, Mish, right? <laughs> the living force. <laughs> I, whenever I'm talking to you, the force is hitting me. I'm telling you that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, that's the cosmic force. <laughs> well, yeah. the force. It, it's powerful. It, it, it shuts my brain up straight away. That's for sure. And I, I feel like I'm, it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm being talked rather than talking to you. It just feels like there's some sort of, uh, the channels are open and I'm not thinking about it at all. <laughs> the highest teaching is silence. Mm. And the presence is silent. Mm. Mm. You're such a blessing to this planet. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> May the force be with you, Peter. Oh my God. I can't believe you said that to me. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> the next question has been written by Brian. Hi, Vishrant. By practicing Osho's witnessing my breath, 
I am able to experience tranquility of silence and stillness. Now I feel stuck. Maybe I'm waiting for insights or Satori, I don't know. Do you have any advice? Look, higher consciousness is the hardest game in town. Enlightenment is a, a mountain that is harder to climb than Mount Everest. You have to be patient and you have to be perseverant. Expecting results is a dangerous thing. You just keep going. You don't stop. You just keep the practices going. And that's what works. Nothing else. Being frustrated with it doesn't help. Just keep practicing what you're doing. If you're practicing self-inquiry, keep practicing self-inquiry. If you're practicing meditation, keep practicing meditation. If you're practicing witnessing the mind, just keep practicing that. But for me, the ultimate practice was the practice of openness. Because the practice of openness removed all the obstacles that are in the way of enlightenment. Removed all the obstacles that are in the way of the heart. If you have defense systems, they're in the way. If you contract and go into resistance over everything, there's something there that's an obstacle. You look at it and you find a way to allay it. This is what works. Openness, from my perspective, counts for everything. The next question is from Neil. Um, hello, Vishran. Um, hello, Neil. So, uh, my question is: If every one of us is acting uh, according to our programming, is it right to punish people uh, who commit crimes? I believe that uh, the criminal system is operating incorrectly. Instead of uh, rehabilitating people who are, have stepped off the path and are doing the wrong thing, we're into punishing them. And I don't think punishing is the right way. I think rehabilitation is. But our whole police system, our whole prison system is about you know, catching criminals and putting them in jail and punishing them for being bad. I don't think it works. I think people go to jail uh, or get punished with fines. It doesn't work go to jail they learn how to they, they mix with other criminals and learn how to be a better criminal you know learn how not to get caught next time so i i don't i don't think the criminal system in australia works at all i think it's a big fail it doesn't rehabilitate people and it does this to kids as well we we incarcerate kids from 10 years of age how silly is that and instead of rehabilitating them we're punishing them it does not work Right. And uh, I, was, I was reading an Osho book in which I came across a statement by Osho that was, uh, if you go too far into positivity, forcibly trying to make it, then sooner or later, you will have to go into the other extreme, into negativity. That's how life keeps its balance. If you don't want the negative, then don't enforce the positive too much. Remain more tranquil, cool in the middle, neither positive nor negative. What does it mean to remain in the middle? 
So from my perspective, there is no need to be positive because humans are naturally buoyant. All we have to do is not be negative. So in just not supporting negative thoughts, not supporting negativity. And then we stay in the middle, we stay buoyant because humans are naturally buoyant. We don't need to be positive. We don't need to learn to be positive. All we need to learn is to not be negative. And then we stay in the middle. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. right. <laughs> when you say uh, you practice openness, uh, isn't it something related to positivity? No, it's just a practice. It's just a practice. You can practice closure if you like and suffer because that's what, where closure takes people into sufferance. Or you can practice openness, raise your consciousness levels and not get caught in suffering. But that's up to you. You're going to create your reality with the way you think. And so I advise people to not get, I don't advise people to get into positive thinking. I just say, don't get into negative thinking. Don't dwell on the negative. What's the point? You know? Right. And uh, I also wanted to ask about uh, what's your take on uh, semen retention? I've heard many yogis and med people who practice meditation say that this uh, life force is valuable and it should be diverted to other areas of life rather than wasting it. So uh, what's your take on that? My take on that is I am not the body, I'm not the mind, I'm pure awareness. What does semen retention have anything to do with it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> people get caught in doing all these things with the body and the mind man we're not the mind we're not the body that's the great trap that's the belief that creates so much suffering we are pure awareness and we are always here what's anything to do with the body got anything to do with reality really who we truly are so people, people get caught in all sorts of different games, thinking that somehow they're, they're, they're raising their consciousness levels by, in this case, retaining semen. Maybe they do. I don't, I don't think so. Maybe they do. Who's aware of this? Who's aware of these thoughts? Who's aware of this body? Who's aware? This question takes you home. You don't need to retain semen to ask who's aware. Right, right, yeah. Yep, that's it. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much, Vishwan. I want to go another step with that. So mm -hmm. this is a, a very male thing, you know. Uh, and in India, for a long time, women weren't, con it, was, it was considered that women couldn't become enlightened because they were women, you know. They were inferior. They had to be reborn as men to get a chance to become enlightened. I don't agree with that either. And sort of this understanding of semen retention and how it, uh, affects you energetically and uh, particularly in a spiritual way, what's that got to do with if you're a woman? Because you, you can't retain semen if you're a woman because you don't have any. Uh, I, I just see the whole thing as superstition. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, thank you, Sean. Thank you. following question has been written by a viewer. During pendulum dowsing energies are categorized in positive, negative, 
from zero one to nine. What's your view about dowsing with Star Wars? Should we mingle with people having very low energies? Can't it affect us? Well, I don't, I don't advise people to play life be out of it. I advise people to be life be in it because I don't teach monks and nuns. I don't teach people who lock themselves away in caves or ashrams or monasteries. I teach lay people, people who have a family, people who have a job, people who are in the marketplace. So I don't teach any way that is going to be life be out of it. It has to all be life be in it. And so as far as mixing with people who have lower energy or whatever, I don't teach that. We are all one anyway. You do need sanctuary though. To, to have clarity, you need sanctuary. You need your own space. You need to be able to clear yourself. But I definitely don't teach people to play life be out of it or avoidance. That's silly. We are all one. We are one. Who you hang out with is definitely going to affect your energy field. It's going to affect how you think. There's no doubt about that. That's why as a seeker, you need sanctuary somewhere. You need to be able to clear yourself. You need to be able to be pristine at some point. But that's up to you. You're going to create your reality. You are totally responsible. The next question has been written by Dorsal. Can there be people who say they are open and yet just open to his or her people or tribe? And when they're confronted, they shut, they shut down. I oh, heck yeah. Yeah, people can pretend to be open. If you're truly open, you don't close. Anyone can pretend to be open temporarily because humans are amazing actors. But someone who's open permanently, even while under fire, has practiced openness. Otherwise, they wouldn't be that way because it's actually unnatural to be open. It's more natural to be closed. It's more natural to be defended because it's a part of the survival mechanism. Openness is against nature in a lot of ways because there's no defense in it. But it's up to you. You practice openness, your consciousness levels arise. You practice closure, they will sink. It's how it is. Don't avoid anyone. The following question is from a viewer. Hello, Vishrant. Can the second stage of dynamic meditation, the catharsis stage, be, be done silently without repression? I've heard that if we cannot make noise in our environments, that we can do this stage silently through body movement only. However, I wanted to confirm that doing the catharsis stage silently isn't counterproductive. I think you can do it silently. Uh, it does help if you can express yourself 
uh, with sound. There's no no doubt about that. But I found that uh, I used a lot of different methodologies to clear what was inside of me. But the catharsis stage is particularly good. But I used to use uh, deep um, heavy metal music. I used to go and dance because I love to dance. In the heavy metal, I would treat it like the catharsis stage of uh, dynamic meditation. I'd be just letting rip, and I wouldn't be making necessarily be making any sounds. I just let rip with my body and put my totality into it, and just let go completely. And it was so clearing. I used to love going to see heavy metal rock and roll bands. The next question has been written by Marcus. May you tell a story that shows your struggle and triumph in going from a young Padawan to Prem Vishrant? What was the question again? May you tell a story that shows your struggle and triumph in going from a young Padawan to Prem Vishrant? Yeah, I understand the question. Where most people fail is they want to be comfortable and practicing something different to what they're programmed to do is uncomfortable. And so they let themselves off. In other words, they lack the discipline to actually follow through on the practices required to alter the mind to support truth and support heart. I understood from quite a young age that discipline meant giving yourself no choice. Because if you give yourself a choice, the default pattern of the mind is to take the easy way or the comfortable way out. If you give yourself no choice, you don't do that. You just keep going through. And so I had teachers who taught me this and I paid attention to them. I didn't think that somehow I knew better than they did, that, oh, they could be wrong, I could probably get away with it if I did it this way. I followed to the letter the teachers who I respected. And as a result, my mind was changed. It was altered to support higher consciousness. It was disciplined to support enlightenment. It was disciplined to support openness. It was disciplined to support present moment awareness. As far as this individual story goes, it's been a lifetime. The next question has been written by a viewer. Hi, Bishrant. Is open means that you don't judge what you see, what you hear, that you're receptive and responsive? Not necessarily. Open just means that you're open. It means that you're not closing inside, you're not offering resistance. So you may have a judgment that something is not right or not correct, but you don't close, you stay open. 
And so you walk through the world open and vulnerable rather than closed and defended and protected. Openness is a very beautiful way to live, but it's quite unnatural. It is natural for us to judge and close. That's natural. Someone who doesn't close has done a lot of work on themselves to stay open. The previous questioner asked me about a story. It's like, I started this when I was 19. I'm now 67. And I've been awake for 22 years. Gosh, there was a lot of years before that, that I was practicing what I'm talking about while being in the marketplace, while having family, while raising kids, while working. It's possible. You just have to play the game. And the game is higher consciousness. You can't play the game of lower consciousness. You've got to play the game of higher consciousness to succeed in enlightenment. It's up to you. You're going to make it so. No one can save you. Only you can save you. Only you can set you free by finding truth as self. The following question is from a viewer. Hi, Vishran. Why am I scared to talk to you through the microphone and hide behind a screen? <laughs> You're probably frightened of confrontation, frightened of being uh, embarrassed or exposed. These are the pretty common reasons people hide. If you want, you can open up and allow yourself to be exposed, allow yourself to be seen as a fool or whatever it is you might be fearful of, but that's up to you. My process in dealing with fear was to go where I was frightened. I didn't like the idea that fear could control me. The next question has been written by Gerlene. Hello, Vishrant. Why does the mind cling onto people, things, and thoughts? Is it scared to be alone? No, it's programmed to do so. It's just running through to its programming to hang on to things, to feel safe. After all, the mind and the body are survival mechanisms. It's all about safety of the mind and the body. And so clinging on things that make it feel secure, that's what it's programmed to do. So it's going to do it. That's why enlightenment is so unnatural. That's why higher consciousness is so unnatural, because you're letting go of everything. You're running against the primal programming. But because we're intelligent, we can do that. We can let go of everything. We can keep letting go and keep practicing let go until we get good at it. Up to you. Whatever you practice, you will be good at. The next question is from Sally.
Hi, Sally. Sally, you're muted at the moment. Hi. Hi. Hi, Wishan. Forgive me if I don't say your name correctly. I'm Chinese. Um, and, yours, and your name's Sally. Uh, it's not my real name. Or just, it's not, it's not yeah. your real name. <laughs> What's your real name? I'm scared to post on here, but um, my real name is Ping. <laughs> Ping? Yeah. Ping, I can say Ping. That's not too hard for me because a lot of Chinese names I can't say, but Ping's easy. Yeah, I know. Just this video post on YouTube, so I don't want my name to be known, but that's okay. So many Ping. <laughs> and where do you live, Ping? I live in Wellington, New Zealand. Ah, Kiwi land. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I, had, I, I, I have been there. Yeah, I I watched a video from last week. I feel like I don't have a question, and also I'd like to talk to you. Um, and uh, I asked question before, but I open. I thought I know, but the more I ask, the more I don't know. Last week I asked too, but I still don't know. So can you use something stories to describe what is the openness? Okay. So if someone abuses me, gets upset with me and starts swearing at me and uh, maybe telling lies about me, yeah. nothing, nothing in me closes. Um, it stays open no matter what. It stays open no matter what. So if someone throws something at me physically, the chances are I won't move because I'm wide open, though I might move, I might respond. But there's nothing in me that really reacts because my mind is surrendered. Surrender facilitates openness. And so if, you, if someone got upset with me, nothing's going to move in me. The mind is already surrendered. It's already wide open. Does that make sense? It doesn't make sense. And but, but to achieve this level, it's harder job to achieve this level already. Yeah. Not oh, yeah. many people have. Yeah, it's hard. I'm, I've never told anyone it's easy. I had to practice a great deal. Every time I found myself contracting or resisting to life, I would examine what was causing the contraction to see what belief system came into play that caused and supported the contraction. And I yes. removed that belief system. I undid the belief system. Yeah, I haven't reached that level yet because I have read the Archie's book and he, he said something similar, like a, a don't react, a response. Yeah. Um, at this moment, I'm working on awareness, which yeah, it's I'm getting a lot better. But to to your level, said what is it called a openness? I don't have that. No, but neither did I when I began. I was I began when I was nineteen, and I was a really angry young man because I'd had a pretty tough life, and I had to learn openness. It took a lot of practice. Yeah. 
So how did you practice and what are any um, strategies you suggest? Well, quite often in the beginning, I'd catch myself afterwards. You know, I'd, I was already closed and I was probably already angry, yeah. but I'd catch myself. And so I was becoming aware that there was a behavior that I didn't like. And I decided that I wanted to change that behavior. And so I gave myself uh, no permission to be closed. I removed permission to be closed, which enabled me to, when I found myself closed, to open up because I, I had a goal of openness. Openness was something I set for myself as a goal to live by. I made openness very important in my life, in other words, because I saw the advantages in it. It was just obvious that closure is not an advantage. And if we make openness a goal, we'll find ways to remain open. I see. Yeah. Um, and if we sit long enough, it becomes a habit. Yeah. I think that is something I was practicing last three years at my workplace, which is yeah. not a good place. I, I give myself a goal. That was my goal there. I yeah. said it. The money is not um, a number one choice, but I come for a goal. That's in Chinese, we call it like a tolerance. Ah, I don't tolerate anything. I surrender. I yes. accept what is. You see, tolerance is resistance. And I'm not into resisting life. I'm into accepting life. If it's unpleasant, I'll accept it. I won't tolerate it. Because tolerance is resistance. That's suffering. Yeah, I see. Your eyes open. Learning acceptance is hard. It's not yeah. easy. You know, it's an easy word to say, but in practice, it's actually quite hard to be in acceptance of life as it is, particularly when things don't go your way. Can you be in acceptance of that? Yeah. So, I, Ping. Yes. Don't to don't tolerate. Accept. Accept. Mm. I was like, uh, when things happen, I look into myself. What's happening inside myself? Yes, good. That's what I did, and I always knew to blame other people is uh, not going to work. I always look into myself. Must be something that disturb my myself. That's why I'm angry or I'm not happy i'm yes. not like it so yep. looking that thing i can see uh, that's a similarity in there yeah yes oh, yes okay. yes you're, you're doing you. the right thing you're looking you're raising your consciousness levels by looking and a lot of people don't they don't look they just react but you're looking this is the way of the seeker to look to see to see how it's all going yeah so when i finish work i i feel like a everyday work is like a battlefield and when I get home, I charge myself again, like a meditate or to practice the stillness inside. That's what I did. Yeah, look, it takes a lot. We, we've been programmed to be closed. Yes. We've been programmed to be resistant. You have to be gentle with yourself as you're, as you're practicing. You have to be kind to yourself because you're going to fail. We all fail. That's how we learn. Yeah. And after a while, I got a stillness inside myself and I started 
accepted myself that I'm not perfect. So I don't need to be worried about or nervous about I have mistakes. I just accept, but then slowly I get better. As you look inside, you find some programs that are a bit broken, you know, dysfunctional, and you could say they're broken. And so at some stage I discovered that I was perfectly broken. <laughs> Thank you very much. And I never thought about um, open, is that mean? I was, I thought I know, but actually I don't know. Openness is the way to, is, it's the way of the heart, but it's also a way to enlightenment. Because if you're wide open, you've removed all the obstacles that are in, in the way. Everything's been taken. Yeah. And also another question is, um, do you uh, like that uh, you, my, my daughter is six years old. Do you like if I um, helping her, I mean, invite her to do meditations? I think the younger that uh, people can be taught how to meditate, the better, because meditation allows us to see, it allows the pennies to drop, it gives us clarity, it's a wonderful tool. Yeah, and she actually started doing that, like a start from 10 minutes, but now it's 20 minutes. She's not against it, I just I check. Look, if, if the, the thing with spirituality with kids, if they're willing, great. If they're not willing, it's, it's best not to, to push it on them because whatever we push on someone, they end up uh, rejecting, you know? Um, I just invited her and I said, let's do this and she just do it. <laughs> oh, look, if she wants to do it, my kids used to come to satsang. Um, and and satsang went too late, so they had to go to bed early. We found out later they used to sneak out and sit on the stairs where we couldn't see them so they could listen to satsang. Um, <laughs> I think kids are fascinated by spirituality because it's a whole yes. other world, you know? It's a whole other world. Yes, they do. Um, they can feel, they can feel some things. Mm. Yeah, they're attracted. Mm. Yeah. Thank you um, for today. Yeah, it's nice to talk to you. And um, it is now time for me to say goodbye to everybody. Oh, sorry. Thank you for the time. Thank I love you. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for satsang. Good to see you, brave hearts, here today. <laughs>